You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another special edition episode of the Assembly Call. As here we have the audio uh, from our Saturday spent in Bloomington. As many of you know, we were up there on Saturday, attended the IU Penn State game, and then had an awesome, awesome time at Upstairs Pub. Uh, I mean, you know, we did a post game show there. That wasn't <laughs> talking about the game wasn't great, but man, seeing all the people who were there, uh, you know, getting to help out with the silent auction that raised over two thousand dollars for Hoosier Ticket Project, and just spending time in Bloomington. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Just the location, the community, the people. Even when the team goes out there, <laughs> just lays an egg against Penn State, it's still a good weekend. Um, and so I apologize for taking a, a little bit of time to get this ready. Um, but we got a couple pieces of audio for you here. One uh, is the immediate live reaction post game show that Ryan and I did uh, while we were driving over to the upstairs pub. We just went live, gave our initial impressions of the game for about 20 minutes. Uh, that's been on YouTube, but I know we usually put that stuff on the podcast feed. So I've included it here. If you already heard that, or if you're just not interested in that, because you know you, you still want to think that much more about that game, but you do want to kind of hear how the live show sounded, you can skip ahead. The immediate live reaction is like 21, 22 minutes. Uh, so just skip ahead. You'll find the live show stuff. We've just got we've got it all back to back to back. We did a few different segments while we were there live. Uh, kind of opened it up with. Something like a traditional post-game show. We didn't necessarily go through all the segments, but provided some uh, thoughts and analysis uh, on the game. Then we took some questions from the audience, uh, and then we had a really good time introducing all the other Back Home Network hosts that were there. So, you know, Kathy and Jeff from Doing the Work, um, obviously Galen and Scott who were there. Uh, you're definitely going to want to stick around for uh, some of Galen's comments. He was in rare form, uh, which is always entertaining. And then uh, Bob and Mike from X's and Joe's as well. Uh, so, you know, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, as I said, obviously wish that the game had gone better. Um, but, you know, because so many of you were out there and came up and we got a chance to talk and meet you and you let us know, you know, what the show means to you. Um, I mean, that stuff is just gold for us. Uh, it, it just, you know, really validates all the time that we spend here. And so I just want to really sincerely say thank you to all of you who were there. And I know a lot of you would have been there if you could have and just didn't have the opportunity. Uh, and so, I mean, I thank you as well, um, because that is why we do this win or lose, <laughs> you know, uh, so anyway, so very happy to share this audio with you. Um, just a couple more things, a couple housekeeping notes real quick, uh, before we get to it. One is, I just wanted to give you a little heads up that you'll probably see and hear me a lot less during February. Um, I think you know me well enough to know by now that it has nothing to do with the way the team is playing. I will be here and suffer through <laughs> as many losses as uh, as this program wants to dole out. Um, but no, we just we've got a few family things uh, that we're handling this month um, with uh, with Heather's family. We've got a surgery, and we're going to go kind of help uh, you know provide some care and going to be doing a lot of shuttling back and forth for this month. And so it's just going to make it a little bit harder to be on the show. Um, but fortunately, you know, between Ryan and Andy and coach and all the awesome people that we have who are always so willing to, to step up and fill in, I don't think we should have any interruptions in shows. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know, if you don't hear my voice as much, uh, that'll be why. It'll be, that'll be why. Um, it'll be a lot easier for me to continue being in the community and doing all that stuff. Um, but just, may not be as, as easy to be there for the live shows at the exact time. Um, so anyway, that's why 
um, everything's good. Nothing to uh, nothing to worry about. Um, but just wanted to give you a heads up on that. Uh, and of course, this entire episode and everything that we do at the Back Home Network is brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel. And I'm sure you probably saw this. If not, then I'm glad I'm getting to tell you. They announced that their new Indiana and Purdue product line refreshes will come out on Friday. Obviously, uh, the day before the Indiana uh, Purdue rematch, uh, which I hoped that I was looking forward to a little bit more. Uh, but hey, you know, hopefully the guys can turn it around and play well at Ohio State tonight and then go have a good performance up there in West Lafayette. Um, but either way, you will have a chance to buy some new home field apparel stuff on Friday. I have gotten a sneak peek at this. There is one item that I will be purchasing immediately as soon as it comes out. Uh, it is from a particular era of Indiana basketball that is very, very special to me and I know to many of you. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. But there's a, a bunch of really nice pieces there. Uh, and, you know, if you, like me, uh, from having grown up in West Lafayette, if you've got some Purdue people in your life, uh, well, they're going to have a nice product refresh there for them as well. So something to keep an eye on. You can go to homefieldapparel.com and get all the information for that you can use our promo code home 23 that will give you 15 percent off your first order but as i always say make sure you're following home field on twitter email alerts the app text alerts all that stuff because they have flash sales from time to time and you want to make sure that you don't miss those so homefieldapparel.com the promo code is home 23 check that out uh and be by your computer on friday because a lot of this stuff as we've learned from previous launches uh, will sell out rather quickly. So if you want to get it, you want to make sure that you're there. Okay, now let's get on with this. As I said, the first 22-ish minutes are me and Ryan, uh, Ryan and I, in the car on our way to Upstairs Pub. And then after that is the audio from Upstairs Pub, all the segments kind of back to back to back uh, as we go there. And I do have to apologize for my voice. You might be able to hear the lingering <laughs> Uh, effects of the trip to Bloomington, but I swear, man, there is something about you know having two kids under seven years old and always being in the winter, flying on a plane, you know, and then Friday night we're always around a lot of people and do a lot of talking. And man, by Saturday, my voice is just gone. I don't know if you all remember the live post game show we did at Switchyard after the Purdue game where Coach Knight came back and I just barely could talk. Uh, and it was getting close to that on Saturday. It actually, it sounds a lot worse here on the audio replay than it did live because the microphone kind of helped blast it out and it sounded a little bit better. I sound ridiculous, so I apologize in advance. I sound, I sound like my dad used to when he would come home from like three or four straight days of practice and you could barely hear him. Uh, so anyway, I tried to talk a little bit less, which is why uh, a surprising person actually quote unquote hosts and kind of kicks things off because I was very worried about my voice cracking uh, when doing the the intro to the show. But anyway, it always cracks me up. I just got to, you know, look, I got to get back to work and I just got to find a way to get my voice over the hump on meetup weekend, right? That's, that's what we do around here. Uh, so anyway, I apologize. That is not going to be the most pleasant to listen to. Feel free to just power through uh, my parts or fast forward. I promise I won't take it personally. Everybody else sounds great, and that is what matters. So anyway, without further ado, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all that you do and all that you mean uh, to the Assembly Call uh, community uh, and to the Back Home Network. We really appreciate it. Uh, but here is our immediate live reaction after IU Penn State and then the live show at Upstairs Pub. Here we go. 
and welcome Hoosier fans to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call as today your Indiana Hoosiers uh, really get thoroughly dominated for about the last 25 minutes of the game by Penn State. Uh, the Hoosiers just ended the first half with very little juice, came out at the start of the second half with very little juice, and that kind of carried through the entire game. Um, we are currently in the car of the great Chris Williams, also known as IU Artifacts. Ryan Phillips is here with me. We are making our way over to Upstairs Pub where Galen and Scott are and Coach and Andy will be there and a lot of other people. Uh, so looking forward to that, although not particularly <laughs> looking forward to doing a live bus game show after this one. Um, I'm looking forward to ranting. Yes. Well, there's lots to rant about. Um, you know, I'll say this to start, Ryan, and then get your thoughts. Uh, obviously, the injuries affected Indiana today. You know, Malik wasn't quite himself. I think against a team like Penn State that had such a good, smart game plan to really pressure Indiana. I mean, they were, you know, picking up full court. They were blitzing ball screens. They were doing everything to make Indiana uncomfortable. And that's where, you know, if you have a decent to good Xavier Johnson, that's going to help. Now, it's not going to help with the margin that this ended up as. There were many, many more factors that ended up contributing to the loss. You know, the main one being that Ace Baldwin was the best player on the floor. Um, and it really highlighted for me how much we've missed a player like that this season. He was in control the entire time, uh, you know, really showed some great leadership. And that's just something that we haven't had much of this season. Um, and so, you know, as you kind of watch the game play out, it made sense why the score was what it was. I mean, even though they hit some tough threes, got some good bounces, all that stuff you can say, but Penn State came out and kicked our butt today. Uh, you know, they had the better game plan, they had the better point guard, and it's hard to overcome that. Uh you know, when you're a team like Indiana. So uh, obviously lots of specifics we can get into, but Ryan, what are your initial bunch? You hold it so they can hear you. All right. Uh, <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, it's the first time I'm ever coming to you from a car. So there you go. Um, Check the chat. Make sure they can hear. Can uh, everybody hear? Can you guys hear? If say so in the chat. We'll, okay. We can see it. But no, uh, I, I just think it's the kind of thing where Indiana, it, we've seen this from them in the past at home, coming out, starting well, and then just dying in the second half. And they've won a couple of those games. They've pulled them out. They pulled out against Iowa. They collapsed in the second half and pulled it out. I mean, we'd have a much different conversation this week if they hadn't. Um, I, I, anything? I don't know. It's <laughs> I don't know what to say. It felt like, you know, for a long stretch there, as Indiana was losing, they kept the same five guys on the floor for about 10 minutes while they were falling apart. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you don't make the adjustments on the ball screen after their 14th three-pointer. You're not adjusting your ball screen defense. I, I just – I don't know what was going on. Uh, Jared was closer to the bench than I was. He might be able to speak to that. But it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of interest in winning this game uh, from anybody. And I, I don't think that guys, you know, played lackadaisically or anything. I just think that there was no plan. And the plan – whatever plan they did have was not being executed properly. And there was no adjustment to that plan to make it easier to execute. So yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And you know, when you, when you're down, when you're up 11 and then you go down 14 and your game plan is with seven minutes left to just continue to jam it in the post and get twos when they're knocking down threes, that math does not work long-term. And so I, I don't know, you know, what the fallout is from this. I did tweet it out. I was just like, these are not losses. If you're the head coach in Indiana, you cannot afford to have these losses. Uh, Penn State was without its top score and was below 500, and they walked into your building and beat the crap out of you. Uh, you, can't, you can't do that in Indiana and feel secure in your job. 
I don't think Woody's getting fired anytime soon, but this is one more example stacking up of like things that can't happen. And it's a pattern and we're not seeing improvements. And at this point of the season, they should be better. I don't care that X was out. Renew played fine. He looked healthy. Uh, there's no excuses for this. There's no excuses. You lose by one in a tightly contested game where they hit a three at the end or something like that, fine. But this was getting run off your home floor, and it wasn't getting run off your home floor by Kansas. It was Penn State without its best player. That's it. I'm going back to Jared. That's it. We're done. No more questions? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and look, Penn State, now without Cleary, has won two straight road games in Piscataway and in Bloomington by double digits. I mean, really credit to them. You know, I I will say, watching the game up close – as bad as Indiana played, I thought that's also how good Penn State played. I mean, they were just composed. Uh, you know, really, really everybody that played seemed to have a good understanding of what they were trying to do. And that is just one of the starkest differences watching it up close is there were so many possessions where we just didn't really seem to have a plan. And, you know, I was sitting next to Chris and we talked about this in the first half. You know, Penn State plays that pressure defense. And I thought we did a really good job of breaking it. And then attacking afterwards, you know, and for the first 10, 15 minutes. But as we said, even then, when they were playing well, the issue isn't can you do it the first 10 minutes of the game? The issue is can you maintain your mental focus and mental toughness to be doing it in the second half? And it's almost like they just kind of kept coming and we just wilted a little bit. You know, it was it was really noticeable to me, uh, you know, coming out at the start of the second half. And, you know, Indiana actually played fairly okay defense on the first possession, but then they give up an offensive rebound. Baldwin just came out of nowhere. No one boxes him out. He gets a rebound. But it was just possession after possession after possession with very little talking, very little communication. And just to open the second half, you know, Kenya and Brian Walsh, the assistants were up a lot more than they had been. It's almost like, to me, they kind of sensed, oh, man, this team doesn't have a lot of juice right now. And, you know, we're trying to do something to get them going um but nothing happened i mean you know there were i don't know maybe two or three moments in the second half you know trey got a steal and score uh, i think it was a you know he made a three-pointer there were a couple moments where indiana would cut it to 11 or 12 and you think okay this is where we can start to make a run and then baldwin would hit jumper or they'd hit a three or they'd get an offensive rebound and it's just kind of the same old story um from this team where you know, to, to Ryan's point, I mean, injuries are a factor when you lose a game like this, but they don't make up the difference. Um, and they don't change the fact that it just, you know, we spent the majority of the game not adjusting to what they were doing and not really seeming to have much of a plan for what we were doing. And, you know, you talk about the three-point line. Do you know what the final numbers were? Oh, I'll look them up. The last time, I know the last time we looked, Penn State had made 11, we had made four threes. And... Obviously, this has been a theme. We won't belabor it because you guys all know it. Uh, but, you know, you go, we beat Iowa, and we outscored them by six at the three-point line. Today, you get blown out, and you get blown out from the three-point line. I mean, this is – it's not an anomaly. It's not an exception. This is college basketball. Day. It's not a bad day. It's not because our guys just didn't make, you know, shots. I mean, we had, didn't we make a decent percentage of the ones we took? Not – Five great. for 15 or something? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it wasn't great. We need to shoot better than that. Um, but just the sheer volume and, you know, the fact that, I mean, again, you know, credit to Penn State. I mean, if a team is going to come kick your butt on your home court, they have to play well, too, and they did. Um, but, you know, this isn't a Penn State postgame show. This is an Indiana postgame show. And, uh, 
you know, it, you know, the other big difference too, Ryan, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit is I thought Khalil Ware was terrific in the first half. I mean, he was everywhere. He was rebounding tough. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job on some of Baldwin's drives of deterring him from either shooting or continuing to drive. And he just didn't really have the same he had no burst. intensity. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what that was. I thought he looked gassed at times in the Iowa game and they kind of picked it up late with the crowd, got him back into it, I think. Yeah. Um, but I thought he looked out of breath and that's a guy who hasn't played the last couple of weeks, you know, or the last couple, you know, for a couple of games. And so sometimes you lose a little bit of your game shape. Uh, final three point numbers 12 of 22 for Penn State, 54.5%. 12 of 22? 12 of 22. Indiana was 5 of 19, 26%. Okay, so yeah, so our percentage wasn't as it good. It went as I down late, though, because they fired. Some yeah. Team. Yeah, I mean, and look, I don't, you know, correct me if you think this is wrong, Ryan. I didn't think that, I mean, they did get some open threes that you don't want to see. They also made some tough ones. What happened was they got in rhythm with their threes. It yes. didn't matter if you were covering them or not. You yeah. let them get comfortable. Once they were comfortable, you can have a hand in your face, but if you're comfortable shooting it, it's going to go in. And they shot everything. I was I was sitting uh, in the second half. I was sitting by Penn State's basket uh, in the media area over there, and I was diagonal from the corner threes that they were taking from the right side, and I was looking straight at them. Everybody was rising with confidence. Every single guy who shot was rising with confidence. There's no question. They weren't taking late. They, I don't think uh, maybe one or two of them were late clock. They were all stepping into them confidently off of a bounce, one dribble, two dribble, pull up. And they just thought they were going to make them. And they, I mean, they did. They kept making them. And the thing that bothered me the most, though, was that India didn't change anything defensively no. to stop that. And, and, and honestly, take that away. Like, if you can take one thing away, take away the thing they're crushing you with uh, and give them the inside if you have to. You have a seven-footer in there, but you have to overplay that three-point line when the team gets hot. Because, again, once you let a team get like that get comfortable, they're going to they're gonna kill you from there. And Indiana did that, and that's what beat them. And yeah. then they started to get comfortable late first half. That's, that's what yes. they started to get into a rhythm and started to get comfortable. And Indiana was up 11, and then all of a sudden you look at it at halftime. What were they, two or four? Four. Four at the half. Time? And then that was quickly erased at the start of the second exactly. half. Exactly, immediately. And then Indiana just, their offense, I texted these guys. I, I was just like, what is the plan on offense? It doesn't look like there is one other than, hey, somebody go make a play. They yeah. weren't running stuff. Everybody was standing no. around. You know, run a double screen for Mbaco just to move the defense once in a while. But it, that know. wasn't it. It was dribbled out. And I'll also say one thing, seeing it live, you can see is there's plenty of times where these guys are running two different sets. One guy's running one thing, one guy's running the other, and they stop and yell at each other. About no, we're in this, no, we're in that. You can see it. And Baco and, and Ware did it at least three times. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're running and you're getting blown out, like take a timeout, you know, and reset your 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 team. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just I'm tired of watching that. Like, you know, if you fight hard, have a good game plan and lose, you can accept that. You cannot accept just awfulness that we saw today. You can't that's not acceptable. And I know Woodson's not going to get let go. He's he's locked in for a while and, and whatever. But that has to improve. And if you're Mike Woodson and you don't watch today's game and watch the film back and say, we have to change something we're doing, like make dramatic changes, then you're just not a serious person. I mean, you're, you're not. You're not a serious person. If you, if you can watch that and, and think, we just need a few tweaks to make it work. No, you need a complete facelift overhaul. If that's what Penn State without his top score does to you, so I, you know, I'm getting warmed up for upstairs. Yeah, you are. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. You are. It's gonna be quite. Good.
point today. Yeah, so we are we're on our way there. Um, yeah, it was just I don't know the vibe in the second half was really strange. I mean, you know the, the was dragging. And- yeah, because I mean, and you know, the the arena had a pretty good vibe to it at the beginning of the game. I thought the guys played hard and focused early. Um, I really liked how we were playing early, but man, it's like, you know, we gave up the lead at the start of the second half and, you know, had like a four or five minute scoring drought. And it, I mean, I know this isn't what happened, but it kind of felt like everybody was just resigned to we're going to lose. Yeah, that, That's what it felt like watching it. Um, you know, there was not, you didn't see anybody like, you know, come on, you know, let's get going. There was no, there's nothing. There was none of that. And I think that's why to me, you know, watching a guy like Ace Baldwin, who was so in control of what was going on, was talking to his teammates, you know, Puff Johnson, uh, Mike Rhodes had been talking to Puff Johnson about not fouling. And so Puff Johnson gets ready to check in and Ace Baldwin turns over to him and is like, Puff, Puff, remember, don't foul, don't foul, you know, just reinforcing yeah. I me mean, as a coach on the floor. and. Look, Mike Rhodes came over from VCU. Ace Baldwin was his point guard. He was A-10 player of the year last year, I think. And you can see why. So, you know, I, I, you know, credit to them. But, man, I mean, it was just really disappointing seeing how resigned it felt like we were, uh, yeah. you know, to the result that was happening. Um, because, you know, it's, and that's not what happened against Iowa. You know, against Iowa, it's like guys were like, no, we're not going to do this. And obviously one big difference, you know, is you got a huge lift from Anthony Leal in that game. And we didn't today. You know, I thought Anthony in the first half was trying to do too much. You know, he came in, um, you know, kind of over dribbled a little bit. He tried to throw, I think, a backdoor pass and miss CJ. And his first two possessions, you know, it was it was a guy who, you know, has for the most part when he's come in the game has been very reluctant to do anything or press the issue. And then he had his good game against Iowa, and it really looked like he came in with some confidence. But Mike Woodson was telling him, Anthony, settle down, settle down. You know, like he was just a little bit too juiced up. Um, and so, and look, you know, you know, there's a reason why, obviously, Anthony has been in the position he's been in from a rotation standpoint. And so, you know, some games your role players step up, some days they don't. But this was also another game where you just didn't get anything from anybody else. Anthony Walker didn't do a lot. You know, CJ, I think, made a couple buckets late. But, um, the you know, they weren't difference-making plays. I, I will say, when the starters were playing so poorly in the second half, they should have rotated guys in to see if anybody could give you some chance. I really thought it was the second half where you just put sparks in and just yeah. see if he can give you a spark. I mean, you know, I know Wahab is a lot taller than him, and you're probably giving up stuff. But once it's a 12-point game and nothing's happening, at least Sparks is a guy that can come in and get the crowd going. Ring Walker, do some Sparks. Like, I mean, and look, if you're... <laughs> You know, if we're talking here about how, hey, maybe in the second half you should try Sparks, and I love Peyton Sparks, but you're getting close to out of answers, which is kind of yes. how it feels for this season right but now. you know what? In a game like this, you got to try At least try something. something. At least you know he's going to go in there and be tough and bang around. I'm glad the two bracketologists started here because it's too depressing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were all straining a little bit to talk bracketology anyway after the Iowa game, but... No, that's, that was just... <laughs> So bad. Yeah. It's just it's un- again unacceptable. I mean, you no, know, there's nothing about that that was unacceptable. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish up, Ware put up decent numbers, but well, know. no, Ware played a really good first half, and but the then half was just yeah, crazy. he really disappeared in the second half. I thought Trey did some good things, Trey's but also first half was great. Yeah, I he was locked in in the first half. Second half, he just, was, just more I mean, it was weird though. I don't know. I 
I don't know if you sensed this, but I just, there were a couple weird exchanges I thought between Woodson and Trey. Like there was one, he took a three early. I think maybe Mbako would hit a three and then Trey took a three early in a possession. And Woody got really mad and like, you know, kind of like threw his arms down at him. And, you know, Trey kind of looked over and was just a little bit bewildered. It just seems strange. Like there was some backstory to the reaction. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Trey did some good things in the first half, you know, couldn't really get going. Um, and, you know, and again, I mean, it's Trey is a decent ball handler, but you really don't want him as kind of your point man breaking a, a, a press and a defense like Penn State's. And I thought Gabe did a relatively good job of breaking the press. You know, the problem is Gabe just doesn't threaten the defense after that. And, and he couldn't guard. No, he had no chance. No chance. Not, not an effort thing, not a toughness no, thing, not a smarts thing, but they got him in switches. Um, and it just, I mean, Ace Baldwin's one of the best guards in the country. Yeah. So as, as you know, as good as Gabe can be defensively at times, that was just a matchup. That's, you know, to have a chance, you had to have X. Now, X is such a wild card that you could get bad X and maybe get an even worse result than we got today. But your only chance to compete with Baldwin is at least to have an older guy, a little bit more physically mature. So, anyway, you're getting ready to um, hop out. You want to you do some final thoughts for the online folks before we head to upstairs? It's got to be better, guys. It's got. I mean, Whoa. as I said, whoops. As I said, Woodson has to look at this and make some significant changes. I don't care what they are, but do something different. I don't care. Run a zone. Like I, I hate the zone, but run it. <laughs> like do something different because it's not working. All yeah. right. See you All right, Ryan. We'll see you over there, man. Uh, so the last thing I'll share, which I thought was kind of funny, um, Courtney Green was one of the officials for today, who was also the official that uh, Chris Collins got really mad at in the Northwestern Purdue game. And so there was a stretch. I think it was in the first half when you know Penn State picked up three or four fouls in one or two possessions. Uh, you know, kind of calling some some touch fouls. I, mean, I think they were fouls, but you know, they were probably some 50-50 ones. And Mike Rhodes, who was just really kind of chill the whole game, really got mad um, and was trying to talk to Courtney Green. And, you know, Courtney, 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 trying to get to him. And Courtney Green just did not want to talk to him. It was basically ignoring him. And Mike Rhodes just kind of like turns around and kind of says to everybody who's sitting around there, he won't talk to me. He won't talk to me, which I think is probably part of the reason why uh, coaches get really uh, frustrated with Courtney Green. Um, anyway, man, I, you know, I don't know what else to say. Um, you know, I know someone in there said, you know, Gabe didn't do a good job breaking the press. He picked up his dribble. That's probably fair. Um, you know, I'm really kind of thinking more early in the game when I thought they did a good job of handling it and getting into their stuff. But in the second half, I mean, no one did anything good in the second half. They just didn't. I mean, we got our butts totally kicked. Um, and... And I don't know what else there is to say. I don't know what the numbers look like. I don't have a box score in front of me, but I, you know, the only number that really matters when you're at home is I mean, a double-digit loss at home. And that's, what, two double-digit losses in our last three home games now with the, you know, with the Iowa win mixed in. So I don't know. Anyway, um, we wanted to make sure that we got on here and did this so that we had something live for you all who aren't able to be here. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting now going to upstairs seeing what the vibe is like uh, in there, but we will have fun because either way, it's just fun seeing everybody who's here. Um, so anyway, if you're listening, if you're in Bloomington, uh, you know, come check us out at Upstairs. Really just so appreciative of them, uh, of Hard Truth Distillery, of this guy for all the stuff that he got us <laughs> for, the, uh, for the silent auction that we're doing. 
Um, so, you know, look, the result wasn't what anybody wanted. Uh, you know, as someone says in the chat that Iowa win is a distant memory. I mean, as we said, a win like Iowa, you really have to get a little bit removed from it to contextualize it. You know, is it a win that galvanizes the team and they start playing better? Or is it just an island in the midst of a lot of bad performances? And I mean, if today was any indication, I think we know what it was. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to pile on the negativity here, but this was the last game. And basically anywhere you look, Ken Palm, Torvik, wherever you looked, this was the last game the analytics expected us to win. Now, you know, Penn State came in and defied the analytics, so Indiana can go do that too. But when you start looking at what is a probable outcome for the rest of the season, this team is really going to have to fix some things and do some things differently uh, if we're going to start getting different results. So anyway, uh, the show at Upstairs will not be broadcast live. We just don't have the right setup for it. But we are recording the audio. Uh, we will post that on the podcast feed, um, you know, and share any fun stories uh, that happen. But very disappointing day from Bloomington. But. You know, on the bright side, at least for me, uh, it's always fun and special being inside of Assembly Hall. Uh, certainly loses some of its luster when, you, when we lose this badly, which I think now brings us under 500 uh, for these meetup games. But anyway, it's always fun to be in Assembly Hall. Wished it was a different result. Um, hopefully we get better from it. But thanks, everybody, for being here. We will, uh, if you're in Bloomington, we'll see you up at Upstairs. Uh, and if not, uh, we'll post that audio later. But thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you all soon. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another live episode of the Assembly Call. And here is something nobody in this room has ever heard before. I am your host, Ryan Phillips. We're here to talk about Indiana's extremely disappointing 85-71 to loss to Penn State. Uh, we're going to start the episode how we always start it, and that's with our banner moment. But frankly, with how that went, I'm not doing that. So, Jared, why don't you step in and do a banner moment, buddy? Yeah, it really seemed appropriate to have the first show Ryan ever hosted be that performance, which was not good, um, obviously. Look, you know, the banner moment for me after a performance like that, and I apologize in advance if my voice goes a little bit. I'm a little bit hoarse. Um, but really, to me, it was the beginning of the game. You know, it's always a joy for us when we get to come here, be in Bloomington, be inside of Assembly Hall. And it's an arena that wasn't fully sold out. There were some empty seats up in the balcony. But it's an arena that came ready to cheer on another good effort from their Hoosiers that, you know, after that performance that we saw against Iowa, kind of got everybody, all the fans back into it and ready to go. And, you know, I thought the team played pretty well for the first 16 minutes. We handled their press. We had a plan with what we wanted to do offensively, it felt like. Uh, you know, Khalil was dominating. And then the last four minutes of the first half, that kind of went away, and we never got it in the second half. But you know, the banner moment for me is just this fan base. You know, the people who are there inside of Assembly Hall, all of you who are here right now, you know, I mean, the great thing about this fan base is win or lose, we do it together. And unfortunately, there's been way more losing uh, than we would like, especially at home. Uh, but there's nobody that I would rather go through all of this with than all of you. So we are just really appreciative that you are all here. 
Uh, we definitely want to thank Matt and the upstairs crew for helping us put this on. Hard Truth Distillery uh, that sponsored this. Uh, and our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project who are here. We have a silent auction going on. Uh, you know, <clears throat> if you're feeling bad about the way the team played, ladies and gentlemen, it's the people's host. Brian Tonsoni is here. He may not like carrots, but damn it, we like him. <laughs> I'd like to say, Moye. There we go. <laughs> AJ Moye. You don't have to do it on mic. They got it. I know. No, uh, I. So no, but the, la the last thing I'll say. Our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, we have a great uh, silent auction going on. If you want to remember some of the great Indiana teams and players of the past, Trace Jackson Davis, Calvert Chaney, the incredible 76 team, uh, plus our great women's basketball team, the soccer program, we have items from all of them here. All of that money goes to support Hoosier Ticket Project and their incredible mission of helping get more kids and more families to their first Indiana sporting event. So you can come bid on those items. Bidding will go till about five o'clock, uh, and now we'll continue talking about that game. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I really do admire Jared's ability to find something positive about all of that. Wow. Um, well, it's time for me to introduce my second co-host, Mr. Andy Bottoms for the Bottoms Line. Well, I would. Uh, uh, no, we are not on the bubble, Jared. We are not on the bubble, uh, but. Yeah, like Jared said, I really thought the game got away from him more at the end of the first half. Um, it felt like going in should be up eight, ten points. Lots of opportunities to extend it to to that margin. Couldn't get a stop. Couldn't get an offensive rebound. Uh, and then just really carried over the lack of energy from the end of the first half into the beginning of the second and, and really struggled to score. Um, I, I, I joke with Phil. He goes, well, I don't know if I'll be able to stay for the whole thing. I said, well, just go pick an old show and listen to it. Probably talk about lots of the same stuff. Uh, so, you know, some of the same things that we've seen, three-point shooting, the variance that that invites. Penn State shot way better than they have over the rest of the season, but they're committed to taking them. And out of IU's 15, 16, whatever it ended up being, I mean, five came in the last three minutes when it didn't really matter. Uh, so just seemed like a, a lack of adjustments. Uh, and some of the similar themes that we've seen from losses so far this year, unfortunately. But uh, in a positive, on a positive note, I just got a beer. And on another positive note, um, I mean, it's just awesome, as Jared said, to be here with you guys. Uh, we, we had a picture somebody shared, I think, on the thousandth episode of us and maybe like 15 other people. Now, I obviously understand that many of you here are just here to get drunk, and that's fine. Uh, may not be here for this show. We fully encourage that. I applaud that. all of you. It doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, just awesome to see that, meet so many of you. Uh, and again, uh, make sure you, there's a raffle as well with the Hoosier Ticket Project. So lots of great stuff here. Um, my wife may physically restrain me from uh, bidding on some of the items. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, thanks, everybody, for coming out. We'll try to make this as uh, positive as we possibly can uh, while acknowledging what we all just watched. Yeah, uh, as Andy's talking, I'm looking at the numbers from this game, and they are highly depressing. So let's move for on from that. Numbers? Uh, <laughs> We lost by 14. I, I mean, look, it's, it's fun, Jared, looking at numbers. No. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and introduce our third co-host this afternoon. It's the coach, Brian Tonsoni, for Tonsoni Time. And let's do it with a toast to the two best bracketologists in the world right here, Andy and Coach. 
A toast to you guys. Who will have nothing to oh, yeah. say about Indiana this year, unfortunately. Hey, thanks to everyone for coming out. Wish we had some better basketball to talk about, obviously, but uh, today was a tough day. The first half was acceptable. Second half wasn't acceptable. And it just was, um, just was a, a, a tough day to handle that pressure on the offensive side. It got us into isolation basketball. And I don't know what the heck happened with the defense. It, it, it wasn't there. Um, it just raises a lot of questions about what we're, where we're headed and what we're doing this year. And then you got to get some players in, uh, next year to keep going better. But I, I'm just, I'm just impressed with all of you people out here. And Mrs. Tonsoni, the one I chase around after the podcast is somewhere. So, uh, make sure you, uh, point her. There she is. So. She's a, she's a real winner. But, fellas, I just thought it was a tale of two halves. You guys have probably said that before I got up here. And the defense that had improved the last two games was non-existent tonight. And they just weren't able to stop Ace Baldwin. And then the other guys got going. And once you see a shot go in, it just kept going in and going in and going in. And then Indiana offensively didn't do much once they broke the press. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the moment that you've all been waiting for. The rant after that game. <laughs> as I, it was kind of funny. As soon as I walked in, someone, it was this, was it you? I think he pulled me aside and was like, no mercy. <laughs> uh, flat out, that is the kind of game, if you're the head coach in Indiana, you cannot have. Penn State was under 500, missing its best player, and you got your ass kicked on your home floor. Um, I don't know what is next for this program but if you can't beat Penn State at home things are in pretty bad shape and so if you're Mike Woodson you have to take that this loss and if you don't make significant changes I'm not saying you know little tiny changes here or there and that's a game no that was not the case that was an ass kicking and quite frankly it he should absolutely make some serious changes and if he doesn't prove that you want the job by making big changes. Prove that you want to be here. Prove that you want to make this program win by making changes. You got the rest of the season to do it, to experiment, to try different things. You don't have to worry about the tournament now, unfortunately. But make some damn changes. And and the other thing I'll say about it is that is the kind of game that gets somebody fired. He's not close to that. He's nowhere near that. But that loss on your home floor by 15 to a bad team, that's what people point to when they point to an unsuccessful program. This needs to be a successful program. The resources put into it, the largest staff in the country, all the recruiting budget, the NIL, the money everybody here probably donates, and that's what you get when you show up at your home arena? Nah, not happening. That cannot continue. That needs to be it. Yeah, well, and to your point, where are Bob and Mike? Are Bob and Mike from the X's and Joes? So there's Mike. Bob is around here somewhere. Those, if you guys haven't listened to the X's and Joes podcast yet, you really need to. It's a fascinating show. And one of the things they talk about with coaches, they have an analogy of chip stacks, you know, and coaches kind of enter a job and you have, uh, you know, you kind of build up credibility with a fan base and you have a certain chip stack. Well, losses like today really deplete your chip stack because... How do you becomes, sell this to people? Like, well, how, do you, how do you sell that to people? Well, I know. I, mean, so. I know. And, you know, I, I will say this. A big part of the reason why Indiana lost today is because we played terrible. Yes. I also think credit needs to be given to Penn State for playing very, very well. Okay. And I think, you know, especially, I mean, 
I ended up having really good seats and kind of were right, right in between both benches. And what you saw was one team that had a really coherent plan and stayed committed to it and executed it for 40 minutes and had an experienced, very good point guard to lead and be an extension of the coach on the court and another team that had neither. And, you know, to Penn State's credit, they've now won two straight road games by double digits at stop Rutgers and here. It, stop soft playing it. That was embarrassing. What? I said stop soft playing it. No, 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 I'm not soft playing it. What I'm saying is it's credit to Penn State, but it's also an example of what is keeping Indiana from being better, which is you've got to have a guard like Ace Baldwin, who's a terrific player, and a strategy and a game plan that the guys believe in for 40 minutes. Because one of the things we've seen from this team, it seems to me, is when they get in the middle of a game and it seems like they and the coach don't have answers or don't have a way to counter what's happening, they just kind of lose their fight a little bit. And against Iowa, they kept it, and they you know, got to the no, end of the game. And won. They lost it at times against Iowa for long stretches. But they stretches. stayed committed to That's the true. game. And today, I mean, honestly, watching it, you know, it, it was interesting. Coach made a great point about the difference between the first half and the second half. They came out in the second half and just had no juice. And you could tell the assistant coaches realized it because Coach Walsh, Coach uh, Hunter, they were up a lot more than they were in the first half, kind of imploring them to talk on defense to get in the game and it's like nothing would pull them out it's like they just yeah i think you know it 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 becomes self-defeating eventually with those guys because when you don't feel like you have direction on offense and i'm sorry regardless of who the point guard was you know missing that lead guard you should have a game plan offensively that attacks the other team's weakness and all they did was the same thing there were no adjustments that was the most disappointing thing is when things started to go badly there were no adjustments. And that's your job, is to make an adjustment to put your team in the best position to win. And instead, they just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, unsuccessfully. At one point, the same five players have been in the game for ten, almost 10 minutes while you're losing the game. And it's falling away from you. And you keep the same guys out there the whole time. You have to make adjustments and you have to do things. And it just feels like the feeling on the bench, when I'm watching it, feels like eventually they'll figure it out. They'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it. And it, and it doesn't come. And if it doesn't come, what you're doing is wrong. And so you've got to make changes. This is not a program where you can experiment for three years. This is a program where you have to win. That's the point. That's why you're here. That's what you came back for. Go win games. Yeah, I think when you think about adjustments, you know, offensively, I didn't think IU did a bad job of handling the press, but they would never really attack in the second half in particular once they had broken it. And you got to take advantage of the mismatches that you had. They had a couple times they ended up getting wear on a smaller guy in the yeah, first they gotta, half. Get when they really, the line. When they really push the ball up. And you got a three on two, and you kind of pull the ball out and do that. Like you got to punish the team for doing that because then you get back into it, and you're not getting into any offense until there's 10 seconds left on a shot clock. The ball hasn't even gotten inside the three-point line. And then you're trying yeah. to run straight post-ups from there for guys well, who need times. And, and the plan, and the, this came up in another game, was like, oh, well, let's watch Malik Renew go one on four. And he scored in one of them, but like that's not a sustainable well, strategy. And, and the other thing, when you're starting your offense that late, you're down, trailing, they're hitting threes, and your solution with 10 seconds left is to do a slow post move that takes you know, five seconds to even get a shot off. You're killing your chances to come back by cutting the game much shorter. Then Penn State comes down, runs whatever they want, and gets a shot that they want every time. Well, and then defensively, Baldwin's just dribbling back and forth along the three-point line under a you know, car wash of ball wanted. screens, basically. Yeah. 
and IU and Tony had pointed this out that they'd started going under more and doing some different things that had helped the three-point defense. But at some point, you got to adjust to that. They're trying to figure out ways to get him on, you know, other guys to drive, and and you got to do something to blitz the screen, do, like get the ball out of his hands because he's perfectly content to dribble around for 25 seconds and figure out what you're going to do. And so, you know, he was the best player on the floor. And even though Penn State's leading scorer didn't play, Baldwin's the guy that makes that run. He's the guy who's been with Rhodes for years and uh, is really there. So, Coach, I don't know if you got thoughts on some of the lack of adjustments or schematic things that you want to talk about. Well, I just think the scheme doesn't fit the roster other than the post players. You know, and then we heavily rely on the post players. And, and when you have players like Cups and Leo and Galloway, there needs to be more movement. It cannot be just isolation and Trey go one-on-one, -on -one, although he made a heck of a play at the 118 mark of the first half where he shook that guy and spun and had a nice assist. But consistently, what does Leo do? What does Galloway do? What, what can Cups do? And that is attack closeouts after you've moved the defense and moved the ball side to side. And that's just not what Indiana does schematically on offense. Then you add that pressure, the extension of the offense past the three-point line, Shot clock's running down, and then you had a bunch of uh, that booty ball where it's one one guy going against three or four, and it just becomes tough on offense. That's the adjustment that needs to be made, in my opinion, on offense. Is, and I've been saying it all year. Move people, move the ball. And when they would do the one more passing or the quick kickouts, there were shots. And that's why Indiana was up at the halftime, and in the second half, it just was stagnant. But that's kind of the style that Coach Woodson likes to run. And defensively, they just didn't have an answer. They were going under some screens. They were chasing Baldwin at times. The switching was awful today and left wide open guys, and they hit shots. I want to ask you a question. So <clears throat> one of the things that is so great about actually being in the arena is you can see stuff, obviously, that you don't pick up on TV. And one of the things that was really noticeable is we do not talk on the court. Like, there's very little communication defensively. And when you look at Penn State, Ace Baldwin is a true extension of the coach on the court. There was one moment where, you know, Mike Rhodes was, I think Penn State had like three or four fouls in one or two possessions. He was getting frustrated with it. And then Puff Johnson committed a foul. And so Rhodes is, you know, yelling at him, don't foul, Puff, don't foul. About five minutes later, he'd been taken out of the game, comes back in. Ace Baldwin sees him about to check in. And says, Puff, remember, no fouls. And it was just really stark to me the extension that he is on the court for his coach, which, look, Gabe Cups is a freshman. He's not going to be there. You know, X hasn't quite been that guy consistently. So we can talk about all the schematic, strategic adjustments we want, but that's the former Atlantic 10 player of the year. I mean, one of the biggest things we need to do is get a guard like that that controls the action that the coach trusts can you speak to how important that is for a coach to have that extension on the court? A, a good roster is a puzzle, a bunch of puzzle pieces, and it's not just skill. It is togetherness. It is what goes on in the locker room. I've thought all along that this team is somewhat disconnected, uh, you know, and that, that leads to no talk. And when you don't talk on defense, you don't switch very well, or you don't remind people of what to do, or you get into an offense late. It just seems like this team is not on the same page, and that leads to no talk. And then no talk on, on the defensive end is what you saw in the second half. Team's just getting hot. And, and it's hard to coach that. Every coach tries to teach that team chemistry, and you do have some impact on it. 
but coaches mostly have a negative impact on it more than a positive. Like if the if the team likes each other and the coach and, and something goes on, then that can drag a team down. I, I've had that happen to me uh, in my coaching career. You don't want it to, but just something about the chemistry between the puzzle pieces, you know, your style of coaching, some years it just doesn't work out, and I get the feeling that we're in the middle of one of those years where it just, it's just not connected, the lessons aren't being heard, and vice versa, and that leads to some of the stuff that, that you saw today. So let's be real, everybody. You don't want to hear us talk about this game for an hour or an hour and a half at at all. This is not going to be one of those. So we're going to do a bit of a different show today. Uh, We're going to talk about this for a little bit more, but that's just bringing the mood down. So we'll try and get out of that real quick. But we're going to introduce all our partners from the Back Home Network. You're going to hear from them. Uh, We're going to try and keep it snappy, have a good time, and and be more positive moving forward. But give us about 10 minutes more negativity, and we'll we'll have some fun after that. But... um, I just want to know, guys, moving forward, what what do you think moving forward? I mean, like, what are we what are we what are we aiming for positively at this point moving forward after this? Because this was one of the games on the schedule, one of the few ones left they were supposed to win, and they didn't. So I know they're going to jump up and win a game they're not supposed to at some point. That's definitely going to happen with this team and disappoint us and show what they could have done. But what are you guys looking forward to for the next couple weeks? as this season winds to its inevitable conclusion? I, I think for me it's the fact that I love Indiana basketball and that's not going to change. Amen. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough year right now, but I'm going to show up Tuesday night and watch them play. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever? Honestly, at this point, who knows, And just coach. stack good play. We had, a, we had two day, games in a row where we played well, lost one and won one. Get back to that and keep hoping. As far as NCAA or NIT, is going to go uh but yeah so i'm going to keep watching it's indiana basketball it's why everyone's here it's why you're fans of our show you want to know about it all we can do is hope that the next game is better and we have a good post game show because these losing post game shows not suck. fun they're not fun i can they i can suck. i can i can Other definitely confirm these are not fun i just want to see the guys play like they did against illinois and iowa like, that was 80 minutes of guys that were fighting, guys that were playing together. And I know it didn't result in the win at Illinois, but you saw the seeds for the Iowa win and how they played against Illinois. And I don't know how to explain what happened today because, and again, you know, injuries throw off chemistry and all that stuff, but we've seen uneven play like this even when X has been there and even when we've been fully healthy. And so it's just stacking together game after game after game where you play with a commitment to each other and to what you're doing. I think most Indiana fans in here understand the limitations of the roster, understand there were going to be hard times this season, understand there are going to be losses along the way, but not 14-point losses at home to Penn State, you know? And so there's a certain level of pride and fight that you have to have to not let that happen. I mean, I was waiting the whole game for someone to be like enough let's go you know let's get and there was none of that i mean it for the last 15 minutes it looked to me like a team that was just kind of resigned to the result that was happening and that's not indiana basketball to me yeah i mean i agree i i I do think fight is a big thing uh the one the one thing that is going to be tough with this team is there's a lot of guys who haven't played together very long and that can lead to a fractured roster. And it can lead to down the stretch when things aren't going bad, there's nothing to bond you when you haven't played together much. So 
I, it's going to be fascinating to watch how this goes. Some guys are probably have eyes towards the NBA. A couple guys have eyes towards just being done with college, and it's going to change. So we talked about the banner moment earlier. I do have one other banner moment to talk about. This offseason is going to be huge for Indiana. We know we have to go get some good guards in the portal, upgrade the roster. A big part of doing that in this era is NIL. And so we're very excited to have Allie here from Hoosiers Connect, Tyler from Hoosiers Connect. They're right there. Let's give them a hand for coming here, for doing such a good job of putting Indiana in a good position with NIL. You know, the thing is, like NIL, don't like NIL, like the direction college basketball is going, don't like it. There's a certain reality to what's happening if we want to win. And a big part of winning games is having an NIL infrastructure that makes you competitive for the best players. And the two of them, Allie and Tyler, are doing a great job of helping to make Indiana competitive, as are all of you that have donated. Now, this isn't probably a great day to talk about that because everybody's like, why are we donating money to NIL when they're playing like this? But it's just a reality of where we are in college basketball, and it's going to be a big part of what this team needs to do in the offseason. So I just want to recognize them and all the great work that they're doing. Because, you know, the fan base, our willingness to donate and invest in the program, the infrastructure that we have, it's a lot better than the results we're seeing on the court. And it's probably the best reason we have to point to for why things can get better moving forward. I'll say this, and you're talking about NIL and investing in the program and all of that. I'll say this. I uh, Eventually, someone's going to get this figured out. They're going to get Indiana figured out, and somebody's going to come here, and somebody's going to win big. And they're going to figure out whatever crazy calculus it is that makes Indiana work. And I will say, while this sucks today, days like this are going to make that feel so much better, I think. I mean... It, 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 but somebody's going to do it, guys. The, the, the program infrastructure is there. The fan support is there. The backing is there. The money is there. Somebody's going to come in, whether it's Mike Woodson or not. Somebody's going to come in and figure this out. And, and, and days like today that suck are going to feel, are going to make this feel so much better in the end. Um, let's see. We, we, will, we will do this by audience vote. Do you guys want to keep the Game Ball and Hoosier Hustle Awards segment for today? Uh, we'll do it but first we're going to do numbers and we'll go to Andy and really you know look the most important number in a game like today is the three point shooting and it's a dead horse we've been beating it all season long but Indiana beat Iowa and outscored them by six from the three point line we lost today by 14 and we were outscored from the three point line by 21 21 okay so you know Every now and then, you can win a game being negative in three-pointers. And from time to time, we're going to have a game where we make them and outscore them. But it really does feel like until this program values three-pointers more, results like this will continue. Yeah, I mean, certainly from a numbers perspective, that's what stands out. Penn State, 12 of 22, 55% on threes. IU, 5 of 19. And like I said, five of those came really late after the game was decided. And so... There's really not a lot of other numbers that matter. Penn State came in wanting to shoot a lot of threes, hadn't shot a good percentage on the year, but remained committed to that offensively. And some of the things that IU did defensively gave easier looks. And that was pretty much it. I mean, turnovers coming in was something that everybody was worried about to a certain extent. 13 turnovers led to 17 points. 
so that that was a factor as well. But uh, the other thing I'd call out is bench points. You know, three points off of IU's bench, and for a long time, the bench had taken three shots in the game. Not even points, just shots. So um, there's not a lot of good, uh, not a lot of good numbers to call out on a day like today. If we want to look individually, we could certainly talk Khalil Ware's 25 and 11. Uh, but I don't know, Ryan, if any other numbers stood out to you or anything else you wanted to hit. I know you were the looking. Final earlier. score is what stood out to me. No, I, it was the second half. I mean, the, I, I don't know what it was. What was the second half disparity? Uh, it was it was forty one thirty seven at halftime. So IU scored thirty points in the second half, and Penn State scored thirty. Or He's a math major, maybe? folks. What was it? Uh, maybe forty eight. I don't know. Wow. Anyway, do it, was, it was not close. It was not a competitive half of basketball, and I think that that was what struck me the most. The three pointers. I mean, hitting more fifty five percent from three. Indiana hitting about twenty six percent. Uh, you know, I think it was a sloppy game at the beginning, but Indiana was able to navigate that a little bit. Foul trouble didn't really come into effect in this game at all for either team, you know, much. Um, so the usual bugaboos about turnovers and free throws and things like that, Indiana didn't have. It was just a lack of being able to defend the three-point line. And then there were some offensive rebounds and putbacks, and Khalil Ware got beat on a few. I thought he looked tired in the second half. And given he's coming off an injury, you understand that. He had a great first half. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, I think the three pointers tell the story, but there's so much more there and it's about a lackadaisical defense that's not getting there. And when they're over helping, it was opening up other things as well. All right. So, uh, we will do game balls for today because our game ball sponsors are in the house. <clears throat> Where are Allie and James from Bloom Enviro? I saw them earlier. I don't know if they're over here. Allie and James. Anyway, Allie and James are here. We very much appreciate their support for the show. We appreciate all of our sponsors so much. Uh, and so go to bloomenviro.com, check them out, get your free rate on test kit. Uh, I think the game ball for today, there's really only one direction you can go, and that's Khalil Ware, who finished with a double-double. Was it 25 points, 11 rebounds? <clears throat> he was terrific in the first half. I thought Khalil played really well. He rebounded well. He was active on defense. He deterred some Ace Baldwin drives. But he, like the rest of the team, just didn't have the same juice in the second half. So it's not the most exciting game ball we've ever given out, uh, but we will give that to Khalil. So we are going to do some final thoughts on the game. We'll do last call, uh, and then we'll take a little break. When we come back, <clears throat> we will open it up for Q&A. So if you guys have any questions, we'll hand you the mic. You can ask some questions, uh, and we'll introduce some other members of the Back Home Network here as well. Uh, but let's get last call. Final thoughts. You want to do last call? Final thoughts. What what the hell can I say for last call? We didn't we didn't play well today, but we're drinking well today. Raise them up. Um. Yeah, any we did. I don't know. Play some defense. Do some different things on offense, and enjoy your time on Kirkwood. And when I get out here, I want to meet all of you and say hello and talk uh, to you. But Indiana's got to be better. Indiana basketball should be better, and we need to hold it to a high level, a high standard. Right, Jay? Yeah, that's right, Jay. Uh, yeah, not much to add, really. I think it's, uh, as we've said a lot of times over the course of the years, it's how does the team respond to this. Uh, it seemed like they responded well within the Iowa game and came back and then came out and played the way they did today. I think it's a mixed bag at this point of what this team's going to be, and I think there'll be ups and downs 
over the remainder of the season. But uh, always a, a beautiful day to be here on Kirkwood. I think the weather at least cooperated more so than the team did with our visit. So we'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of what Coach said. The basketball needs to be better. But the nice thing is Bloomington always delivers. Assembly Hall always delivers. Undefeated, upstairs, baby. Upstairs, Kirkwood always delivers. And most importantly, you all always deliver. Uh, there's nothing that fills us with a greater sense of pride and enthusiasm than seeing so many of you come out here and support this program, win or lose. Uh, support us and our show and what we do, you know, win or lose. It just means the world to us. Uh, and we're so grateful and happy to be able to share this day with all of you, um, to be able to meet you and talk with you. This is the good stuff, you know. We're going to win more games in the future. Doesn't feel like it today, uh, but I just can't wait to win those games with you all, celebrate with you all, and get this program back where it needs to be. Yeah, I think really a final thought is just the juxtaposition between the mood at that game and then coming here and seeing so many people out having fun, celebrating, drinking, having a blast. Drown your sorrows, please. You need to. Um, but it's just, it is just so crazy that, you know, every time we come here, this is so much fun and we love meeting you guys and spending time with you. We did it last night. We we're out and about in the town doing it tonight. Please come up and say hi. Uh, we love to, to hang out with you guys and, and get and see the people who listen to us, put, you know, names to faces and, uh, it's always a blast. So, Final thought, um, yeah, Indiana's got to be better, but this is pretty damn great. Yep. So if you haven't bid on the silent auction items, come check them out. <clears throat> There's autographed pictures of Calvert Chaney. Oh, no. We saved it. Nice catch. The greatest picture in IU basketball history with the 76 team walking in New York. Yes. We're good. We're good. That picture, that team is undefeated. You can't knock them over, Josh. Um <laughs> So come bid. Uh, those will end at 5 o'clock. Uh, if you need them shipped, we can ship them. So come come bid on those items. When you go up to the bar, order something from our friends at Hard Truth Distillery. They're our sponsors. We really appreciate them. Uh, and we'll be back here in about 10, 15 minutes. We'll do a little Q&A. We'll bring some folks up from the Back Home Network. Uh, but let's have fun. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Thanks, guys. And let's enjoy the rest of the day. All right, we are getting ready to start segment two of our show for today. Uh, once again, I will give a call out for the silent auction items here. All the proceeds support Hoosier Ticket Project. Uh, and we will be accepting uh, bids until about 5 o'clock. So make sure if you want to get your bid in that you do that. Uh, and Guys, check it the... out. There is some amazing stuff. Please Dude. take a look. If you haven't looked at the table yet, go check it out. And I can't promise... Tickets to the sold-out Iowa game. Oh, and they're raffling off tickets to the sold-out Iowa game for our women's basketball program, which brings us all so much joy, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. Uh, but the first thing that we wanted to do here in our second segment is just open it up for some questions. If there's any questions you guys have for us about the game, about the team, uh, and we do have a couple of rewards for people who ask questions. So is there anybody that has a question they would like to ask over here, Miss Maria. I'm going to give you the microphone. Um, what do you think not getting into the NCAA tournament this year potentially will be if um, for recruiting? 
I just appreciate you saying potentially. But that, that was really, that's... really optimistic of you. Yeah. It's uh, no, I, I look. I think that that next year's class is set with Lee McNeely and potentially Derek Queen, and we'll see how that goes. We know that recruitment is continuing to be meandering, and I tend to think the longer it goes on, the worse it is for the favorites. Um, but McNeely's coming no matter what, which is good. But next year's class certainly is watching this. They're watching the offense not do much, not feature guards, and what Indiana needs is guards. So I do think it has an effect. I, 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 it's not necessarily not making the tournament. It's what the team has looked like on the way to not making the tournament, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you can barely miss the tournament and get a good recruiting class, but it's the way this has gone down, the way this is, they've struggled. I think that's that's the detrimental part. And next year, 2025, has a lot of guys they need to get and a lot of Indiana players and, and guys who are outstanding. And if they don't get them, it's going to be a problem. All right, so let's tell Maria what she's won. Well, our friends from Hoosiers Connect, Allie and Tyler, are probably out there somewhere. Give it up for Hoosiers Connect. We love Hoosiers Connect. They were kind enough to bring us two items, and we have our jersey model here to show them. Scott, we have a Trace Jackson Davis autographed jersey, remembering better times, and a Taven Jackson autographed jersey. Maria, we will give you the option of which one you want. Trace Jackson Davis, everybody. Thank you, Maria. Excellent question. Okay, anybody else have questions for us? I'll ask a question. It's on. It's on. You got it. A couple years ago, the Pacers were not playing modern basketball and made the necessary changes and are now fun to watch. This has led to IU basically playing fourth fiddle locally in some ways to Butler and Purdue, who would also resurge it now. Two-part question. One is how can IU survive locally and maintain a fan base when there are other basketball options now? You always have the hardcore fans, but part of the reason the fan base is so big and it's getting older is because a lot of people have no affiliation to the school. You know, pick them as the most successful team historically, and now there's other options. Could that lead to a shrinking of the fan base? But also going with that more positively, given that the Pacers have modernized now and are so much fun to watch and Indiana's fallen in love with them, is there hope that IU can do that too? So to both answers, two-part question. Yeah, great question. I want to recognize Ari, who does more behind the scenes for our show than anybody. Yeah, give it up for Ari. You know, we do our show live, and then the podcast goes up, and that is all Ari. He'll, he'll stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning, however late it is. I'll text him at like 1.30 and be like, dude, I'm sorry, I forgot to upload it. And he's always ready to do it. Ari is a huge part of what we do. And meanwhile, and we really complaining about West Coast it. hours. And, uh, so to your, to your question, you know, look, Ari, when the team is losing and playing an unattractive brand of basketball and, you know, you're not seeing that consistent effort and fight, you're going to lose people. And, you know, to your point, when you have the Pacers playing that way, they're going to get attention. For Indiana, obviously winning is the first part. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, winning is the first part. But playing an entertaining brand of basketball where every time out or most times out, you feel like the guys are, you know, fighting and giving it their all, that's what it takes. And when Indiana Hoosiers basketball does that, we're number one in this state and nobody comes close. But when we're playing the way that we play right now, you open it up for people's minds to wander and for them to get interested in other things. I mean, 
No one wants to watch what we watch today. We do it because we love Indiana and we love basketball. I mean, well, we, we have sponsors and we have to do a show, Jared. That's part of it, too. Yeah, it's... but I mean, but, you know, but the point is we've got to put a better product on the court. It's an entertainment product. I want to say this. I would like everybody right now to give a huge round of applause to all of the students and young alumni yes. who are rooting for Indiana basketball yes. right now. And here, here's why I say that. And I say this with all sincerity as someone who grew up in the 80s and 90s. I'm not sure what Indiana has given you to root for them over the last 20 years. It has been a really difficult time. And the fact that this fan base is still as plugged in as it is, as energized as it is, it is a sleeping giant. Someone needs to wake up the sleeping giant. And that here, is not here. the fan's responsibility. That is the responsibility of the program to get its act together. Hell yeah. Amen, babe. No. And bring back the bison. Yeah. Are you announcing something, Galen? No, uh, I, I think that I think the part I don't think the fan base will ever go away. I really don't think the fan base will ever go away. You know, and I don't think they'll fall behind the other schools in the state. But at the same time, you've got to give people a reason to come back. It's like it's like a TV show. If the seasons start to be awful, you stop watching. I mean, you know, you give up on it. And you go do something else. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. There you go. That's a perfect example. Great. And then why are we still watching this? So I. You two need to calm down. They've been here drinking since eleven o'clock. We'll cut but them as far slack. as as far as changing the style of basketball, that's a good part of your question. Can you change the style of basketball and make it more attractive, at least to watch? So when you're not winning, at least you're watching good, fun, fundamental basketball, up tempo, shooting threes. I mean, some of Tom Creed's, some of Tom Creed's most entertaining teams were fun to watch, or some of their worst, his worst teams were his most entertaining because they. They scored so many points, and they shot so many threes, and they ran up and down the up and down the court. So I do think you need to give people something they want to watch. Nobody wants to watch what we saw today, what we've seen repeatedly over the last seven years. It's not just a Mike Woodson problem. It's been a program problem. So, yes, I, I don't think that the style of basketball will change dramatically under this staff. I just don't think it's in their nature. But I do agree that at some point, Somebody is going to modernize this program. Somebody is going to come along and figure that out. Somebody is sitting there right now watching this and knows I can go do that. I just hope they show up soon. That's all. Well, Ari, since you're part of the team, you're not eligible. Yeah, you can't get a jersey. Can nice jersey. It was, but we do. Does anybody else have a question? Anybody? Okay. Yes. To the gentleman right there. Here. Hand this man a microphone. Are we going to win the national title this year, next year, okay, or this every count. year going forward starting now? So this is a question for Scott. In football. He wants he wants the part of Crimson Cast where you talk about how we're going to win every game moving forward. This is for – no, we're going to win the Rose Bowl in 2024. <laughs> What? Eddie. Kirk Signetti.
What bizarro IU sports world have well, we stepped I, I think into? You need, I think we know who what needs to be our this? guest. Hey, get yourself a Taven Jackson shirt. Great question. All right. If anybody has other questions, you can come up and ask them. We'll be happy to, to answer them. But I, we have more shirts? Oh, we do? All right. We'll do, we'll do one more question, then I want to talk about the women's team. You want to? Yeah, hey, Darian here. This is for uh, Coach Tonsoni. I know on the last show y'all were talking about the uh, improvements on the court that you'd seen, three-point defense, other schematic changes. What did you see tonight that was in line with that, and what did you see tonight that went away from that? That's a really good question. I, I like the fact that, as Tony said, repeat the question was, that I on the last show I mentioned some things that had changed the last two games. What did I see that was still changed today that was positive and what wasn't, right? Paraphrase your question. I do like the fact that they're staying closer to three-point shooters. It wasn't the drive and kick threes tonight. It was the ball screen. And Indiana had started to go under the ball screen, as Coach Adranya said on the show the other night. But tonight, they were shooting that. When we go under, they were shooting that and hitting that. The adjustment back was not made tonight to go over, especially on Ace, Ace Baldwin. I thought in the first half their defensive intensity was okay, but their their attention to detail that we saw in Illinois and that we saw uh, at Iowa, it went away in the second half. They weren't into the ball, they weren't in good stances, and they weren't fighting for rebounds and everything. Something at halftime just didn't work, and they came out really, really flat and disconnected. So there were some positives in the last two games. I don't think they carried over, especially in the second half uh, in, in the ball game. All right, Darian, thank you for the question. All right, we got one more question. One more question. Here we go. What are your three wishes for Indiana basketball? Four wishes. Three, three wishes for Indiana. One wish for Indiana basketball. My biggest wish for Indiana basketball is for us to play a more modern college style. I think that's the most important thing. I think Coach Woodson has done a lot of good things for the program. I think he's recruited some high-level players. I think he helped bring back some pride after the Archie Miller years. He got us into the NCAA tournament. You know, thing, Coach Woodson has done some good things. I just don't know how much higher we can go with the way that we're playing. So that's my number one thing is to bring our style into a more modern way. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. So, with that done, I want to introduce you guys. More shirts. How many more shirts do we have? Oh, we got some more. All right. While Galen is handing out shirts, we want to spend a little bit of time talking about the women's basketball team. Can we get a big cheer for Terry Morton's Indiana Hoosiers? So one of the things that I'm most excited about is our show Doing the Work that we launched on the Back Home Network last season, hosted by Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe. They just do a wonderful job of covering the women's team, giving analysis after the games, helping to, to paint the bigger picture. And so I want to bring them up here real quick uh, and talk with them about the women's basketball team. 
because we all need a little bit of an uplift, and the women's basketball team can always give us that. So put your hands together for Kathy Amos and Jeff Marlowe, hosts of Doing the Work. So the first thing, the first thing I want to ask you guys, we've had a few injury issues. How are those looking coming up in these next couple games? Yeah, so mainly Sydney is hurt. Is that on? Yeah. Closer. All right. Better? Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so Sydney's hurt. Um, she sent out something on Instagram yesterday. Soon. Um, we're hearing somewhere in the two-week range. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah, so I think that'll be really big for us as we continue on under our stretch here. All right, tomorrow we have at Ohio State, which is two top ten teams going yeah. at each other. So I think so, Coach. that's it. Yeah. Coach Marlowe, let me ask you this. There have been obviously a lot of issues people have with the way that the men's team plays. And I think you watch the women's team play, and it's such a stark contrast. What is it that Terry does from a stylistic, strategic standpoint that allows them to be successful and makes them such a fun program to watch? Yeah, I, I, I really hate to compare the two, but when you watch them, it's, there's a commitment to what they're going to do. And they're going to move. Like Coach Tonsoni talks a lot about, the women are committed to moving some, moving players, moving the ball, and getting their players as best they can into an advantageous situation, whether it's it's uh, getting McKenzie Holmes in a one-on-one -on -one situation on the block, whether it's getting Yard and Garzon or um, um, it was Sydney's out. I'm for, who am I forgetting here? Sarah Scalia, an open look on the three. They're committed to it. Now, and then also on the defensive end, it's a, it's a non-negotiable for Terry Morin. They are going to play defense. And whether I, you like that or not, in terms of sometimes it means some of the bench doesn't get a play where because she's very committed to her experienced kids, there's a commitment to the style. I, I think the biggest thing is they have an identity and they stick to it, right? Yeah. We know identity is defense number one. And number two is a movement on their offense. And yeah. they, they know that. They know it coming in. And we've seen it consistent now for 10 years. What's coming up on the schedule? They got a big game coming yeah. up, right? The big game is tomorrow against Ohio State. Tomorrow it's against on, Ohio State. Yeah, it's at noon Eastern. Yeah. And um, I'll be down at my mom's. Here or up there? In Ohio State. In Ohio yep. State. Okay. And it's on FS1. So everyone should be able to watch it. Yes. And then Jeff and I will be on afterwards, so come join us and uh, talk about the game and hopefully another big win for this program. Yeah. Last, last thing I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, a lot of IU fans have become familiar with players like Chloe Moore-McNeil, Mackenzie Holmes, Sidney Paris, Sarah Scalia, the veterans. But it really seems like some of the younger players are coming into their own, like some of the plays Lene has been making recently. Can you talk a little bit about the young players and how their development is going to impact the rest of the season? Yeah, I think they've got bright futures. Uh, you take Lene Beaumont, Jules Lamandola, Lily Meister, they're just stuck behind veteran kids right now who played. Uh, but the future for this program is going to continue to get, in my opinion, it's really bright. You're seeing Lene start to get a little more comfortable, and you're seeing Jules get comfortable. But they just, like I said, they're, they're stuck. But this team, again, like, like Kathy said, the identity doesn't change. They know who they are. And, and Terry Morin goes out and finds kids, players, who are going to fit that identity. And I just think, keep watching the future because you're going to like what you see. I think they have uh, really had players, too, that have bought into the culture. 
and have passed that down from player to player, right? We've seen that back with um, with Tyra Buss, and then Allie Petberg, and then Grace Berger, and now McKenzie is passing that on to Lily Meister down low. And you see that now, and it's really just becomes a giant snowball that it keeps rolling and rolling and getting bigger and continue to go. Yeah, and on top of that, whether, like you said, having talked with Grace Berger, we've had Chloe Moore McNeil on, we've had Lene Beaumont on. They're just such great ambassadors for the program and for the university that that's what you that's what i think the fan base is looking for and that's what you get with the women's team absolutely you know i feel like a couple years ago we had to spend more time telling people why they needed to watch i feel like for the most part people have come around and they realize how great this program is and so if you're looking for more coverage of the women's team check out doing the work i believe amanda foster is here from the crimson cast uh women's basketball show where's amanda Amanda Foster, that's right, and she's she's been on. Amanda Foster is great, uh, and then also LC from Crimson Corey is here as well, and the, and Crimson Corey does a great job of covering the women's team as well. So, it's a program that is not in anybody's shadow. It has a lot of outlets covering it, and they play a brand of basketball that you're really really going to like. And so, if there are one or two people out here that haven't started watching them yet, definitely do it because it is a wonderful program that plays with the ethos that we think Indiana basketball should be played with. So, but give it up for our hosts of doing the work, Kathy Amos, Jeff Mar Marlowe. Thank you all. Um, all right. Let's bring up the guys from X's and Joe's. Mike Weemoth, Bob Motes. So I like you're making that move. How many, folks, just walked how many folks have listened to X's and Joe's so far? Have you guys started listening? It is a little hidden treasure of a college basketball podcast that if you truly want to understand what it takes to build a winning roster in modern basketball, no one has done more research and analysis on it than these two guys right here. And what makes it a great podcast is it feels like you're eavesdropping on a 30 year conversation because you kind of are. So I want to recognize Bob and Mike for the great work they're doing and make sure everybody knows about it. We just launched it about six weeks ago. Every episode has been terrific. Uh, and so I wanted to bring them up here real quick and just talk with them uh, real quick. But Bob and Mike so far, great job. What's the experience been like so far of hosting the podcast and bringing, you know, your guys 30 year conversation and research to everybody else? I get to see this guy for the first time in 30 years. I get to see him for 25. I get to see him like once every couple weeks when we can chat and do the thing we were doing when we were here in this bar and across the street. We get to do it again. So it's a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, we say our podcast is very much like uh, just the continuation of our uh, normal conversation that we do virtually, you know, every basketball season. So. Uh, it's been a fortune for us to be able to just turn on a microphone and do something we've been doing for over two and a half decades. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, one of, the, one of the, the things that I love about your podcast as you're producing these episodes now is you're able to kind of contextualize what we're seeing from Indiana under Mike Woodson within this larger context of the research you've done on what it takes to win. So what can you, maybe what kind of guidance can you give folks who are frustrated kind of feel like the Woodson era is in the wilderness a little bit like where does it kind of stack up for you and what are some of the indicators fans should be looking for over the next six months to a year to kind of see if Mike Woodson can get his chip stack you know back up and and 
obviously the honeymoon phase is over, but be able to kind of get to the next phase where fans are happy, wins are coming, all that stuff. So the, the first thing is you look at Mike Woodson right now at year three, and he's really handling Archie Miller year seven. So the first part of this is what does he do coming out of this season to get these guys back on an upswing? Transfer portal is going to be essential, as well as how he's going to recruit in the 25 and 26 classes. We talked to a lot of you today, about folks here today about Brayden Mullins. We're talking a lot about Trent Sisley. I mean, those are the types of players that we're going to see. Can he land them? as well as guards who can penetrate, as well as the size that he needs. So you're really watching, I think, what we're going to be watching uh, will be what's happening in March, who they're targeting in the portal, and then what it's going to look like with whom they're landing starting basically April and May, as well as then the landing of the 25-26 class. Yeah, one thing I would say that if you're looking for some uh, silver linings about Mike Woodson is that he um he went he got the same seed line as last year's national champion UConn at four with about a third of the number of NBA future NBA players that UConn has or will have. So it's clear that Woodson can, with the right talent, be able to get up to that upper echelon of college basketball. So I would say that's just something to look forward to. As Bob said, if they get the right kind of players next uh, this coming spring in the portal, there's some opportunity there. I mean. And that's the kind of insight that makes listening to your guys' podcast great. You know, it's post-game shows can be a little emotional, admittedly. That's what they're supposed to be. But I think you guys take a 30,000-foot view and help put everything into context. So I know I'm biased. It's my favorite new college basketball podcast. And I just want everybody to listen because the work that you guys have done is awesome. So X's and Joe's, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts or go to backhomenetwork.com. You'll find it there. It's it's a must listen. It's great stuff. I really, it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this guy right here as well. That guy over there, those guys up here for being as supportive they've been and for getting this thing off the ground and what you're doing here. It's a beautiful thing. First you're doing it, loving it. Awesome, man. Thanks, guys. X's and Joe's, ladies and gentlemen. Bob and Mike. Awkward man hugs. All right. Um, let's see. It is, it's 427. We have 33 minutes left. But, oh no, we'll, we'll get to them. Uh, if you want to get bids in, make sure you get your bids in. You got about a half hour left. Uh, one more person I want to introduce you guys to is Coach Tony Adranya. Coach, come on up. So Coach Adranya uh, does our IU Film Room content uh, for paid subscribers uh, of uh, our, our Substack. I thought he did one of his best IU film rooms this week, analyzing Indiana's improvement in three-point defense. Now, it didn't really come to fruition on the court today, but the analysis was excellent. Penn State just hit a lot of tough shots. Yeah, not great. Uh, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, the ball screen defense today was tough. Um, it was the best thing that IU had been doing the last two, three weeks, and today was really tough they didn't make a lot of adjustments they they were doing a lot of the things they were doing previously against the Iowa's against uh Illinois uh but today Penn State kind of if you looked at I mean you had great seats you were right behind the coaching staff I mean Rhodes was really just directing traffic kind of like an air traffic controller saying you go here you go here and they set that double screen 
countless times. Ace Baldwin either got an open look. He found somebody. I think he had 23 points, 9 assists. Uh, yeah, so the film room was great until it wasn't. <laughs> but uh, what are you going to do? But if you want to kind of understand the team at a deeper level in terms of, you know, what they're doing, what they're trying to do, Tony just does a great job of doing that. Um, so we wanted to bring him up here, recognize him. What are some of the things that you're kind of planning or thinking about doing here as we move forward? One more time. Well, I, I guess let me rephrase the question. As you go down the stretch of this season from a coach's eye, look, we're probably not going to make the NCAA tournament. We're going to have to fight hard to make the NIT. Um, and that's a tournament we want to get into, obviously. What are some of the things you're going to watch for that will lead you into the offseason saying, all right, you know what? Some changes were made. I feel a little bit better. What are those things that you could see that would make you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, it's really just soaring with your strengths. Uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to be ball screen heavy. That's how everybody plays these days. So soar with your strengths. You need guys like Cups to step up. Mbako, you know, guys that are going to be back next season, you obviously want to see them take a step forward. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for this last month is guys that are going to be back taking a step forward, coaching staff, soaring with the strengths, and we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Thank you, Tony. IU Film Thank Room, you. Tony Adranya. He's Coach Adranya on Twitter. Good stuff. All right. The last thing that we want to do today is we want to recognize the OGs of Indiana Sports Podcasting. Who's that, Jared? We saved the best for last. Dr. GC, Galen Clavio, Scott Caulfield. You know, we are here today celebrating the thousandth episode for both of our shows. They beat us to a thousand, but, but let's not hold that against they them. They started first, they got to a thousand first, and they have set the pace for Indiana Sports Podcasting since they started. Uh, they do a great job. It's a must listen every time it drops. And so really, I just want to show my appreciation to these guys for what they've meant for us and our show and everybody who's out here. He's shaking his head, but it's true. Crimson cast, everybody. So your thoughts on Indiana basketball? When we started Crimson cast in 2008, I was expecting a lot more wins. <laughs> I was just expecting so much he more He thought it was going to be an easy job just chilling after wins. Yeah, what, just... what could be better? Let's talk about IU basketball. It'll be tremendous. Meanwhile, we're winning six games in a season the first year. It was great. Now, look, first of all, the reason we're here is because of the community that Assembly Call has built over the years. I mean, yes. that is 100% yes. the truth. And... I mean, I listened to some of our early podcasts. I was like, no wonder nobody listened. These are <laughs> these were terrible. Um, but no, the the partnership that we've had with Jared and Ryan and Andy and Coach has been amazing, and the support from all of you. It has been not the easiest last fifteen years. Certainly, there's been some ups. There's been more downs. But we have loved the interactions with all of you and the fact that you're all out here today and able to just kind of come together with us and talk about IU basketball and be in this place is a really, really, really special thing. And I know that from the standpoint of someone who grew up in the 80s and 90s and it felt like the only news for IU basketball came through the Indy Star, the fact there's another way that you can talk about IU basketball and have a community. I think it's awesome. And Scott, 
It's been great working with you all these years. It's been awesome. Thank you. I want your wait. I want another one of your nomination speeches. Like talk about the fans and like what they deserve. I love that, Galen in twenty twenty four. Look, I am running for president, so thank you for your vote. No, here's the thing. I I'll say I'll say this all the time. Like IU basketball has the most passionate fans in the entire country. No question. I've, I've been to Las Vegas. I've been to New York. I've been to Atlanta. You're I've been to all these places. I, I've yelled at Courtney Green and gotten my photo taken as a result of it. And the amount of travel that IU basketball fans do, given the amount of results that they get for the travel that they do, is insanely disproportionate. You guys are always everywhere. And... The number of you that reach out and say that you listen to the podcast and you're interested in what we're talking about is always the most special thing about doing all of this. No, it's why the, the it's it's I love the people that listen. And I appreciate it. And better times are to come. I don't know when. I don't know how many years. Better times will be here. I promise. And hopefully this season. He promised, guys. It's happening. Yes. Scott promised. He promised. Thank you. The guys from Crimson Cast, Galen Clavio, Scott Caulfield, the OGs, the godfathers of IU Sports Podcasting. All right. I'm going to do what we do at the end of every show. Jared, you ready to start wrapping this up? I think it's time to start wrapping this up. Uh, This is, we have a 26-minute warning. The the silent auction ends at 5 o'clock. What's the Calvert photo at right now? Where's the Calvert? 650 for the Calvert photo. That's too low. We got to bump that up. All the proceeds go Jared, to Hoosier Ticket Jared, Project. how many times have you bid on that already? I'm waiting until 4:59, and then I'm putting in my bid for the Calvert. Just go one dollar over. Yeah. No, for the last time, we want to thank Matt and the team at Upstairs. Thanks for helping us set this up. Thank you to the fine folks at Hard Truth Distillery uh, for sponsoring this and the shirts. Just so great. Uh, and thanks to you guys. Thanks to Ryan. Thanks to Coach. Thanks to Andy uh, for being there for me after all these games, win or lose, to go through it with. And to all of you, that's what makes this fun. I was telling somebody earlier, you know, he said that our show, the postgame show, is kind of like his therapy, and you kind of help get it out. I'm like, it is for me, too. You know, we can get the emotions out. Jared has been assigned a team of therapists. We just happen to be on a podcast with him. But no, seriously, thank you, everybody, for coming, for all of your support. Like I always say, Without you guys, we're just four middle-aged dudes talking into our computers after college basketball games. Uh, but you guys give our work meaning uh, because you're there with us, there in the chat mob, there in the community. And so we really, really appreciate it. And thank you for, for coming out tonight. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I just want to say thanks to everybody. This is the best part of doing this, is getting to be in the same room with you guys and see you and meet you. And we're going to try and do it more often. Uh, definitely, we're going to be here next year 100%, but we're going to try and do more of these live shows to see you guys more often. Uh, and I guess that's that's all I've got. Thank you for coming out and come say hi to us. Shake our hands. You know, let's all have a drink together and, uh, you know, drown our sorrows a little bit, but also celebrate a little bit. So keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim. Go, go Hoosiers. Here I come, Mrs. Tonsoni. Hey, folks, thanks, everybody. All right, folks, I got to get out of here. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. 
And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.